Today I want to speak to you on the topic of walking in the Spirit. Please stand in the honor of reading God's Word. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18. Scripture says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Father, we thank you for this word. Now, Father, open our hearts and speak to us from it, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. There's three things I believe the text teaches us about walking in the Spirit. And as the believer in Christ, we can either walk in the Spirit or we walk in the flesh. As a believer in Christ, that doesn't necessarily mean that you walk in the Spirit. You can be a believer, a Christian, but not walk in the Spirit. And so we want to talk today about three areas, three things that I believe this text makes very clear about. If we apply these three areas to our life, then we will walk in the Spirit. Number one, I want us to see what it means to be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I'm reminded of a story of a young man who was a wrestler up in Tennessee. It came down to the big match, and he and his little town, he was a country bumpkin from the mountains of Tennessee, and he was facing off against one of the city boys, the, the, the last year's state champion. And so he was going up, this country bumpkin was going up against the state champion. And the coach got this young country boy aside to calm him down. I mean, he was, he was all raring to go, and he's trying to calm him down, give him a uh, last few words of instruction, and said, all right now, son, this is the big moment. We win this, you win this, we win state. It's all riding on you, son. Now, now, don't be nervous, but it's all on you. And whatever you do, I've watched video after video after video of this, 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 the state champion, last year's state champion, and, and his favorite move is the pretzel hold. So whatever you do, do not let him get you in the pretzel hold. Do you understand? Yes, coach. Yes, sir, coach. I, I got it. So the match started, and, and just a few seconds later, bam, that country bumpkin was in the pretzel hold. I mean, he didn't know which way was up, which way was down. There was arms and ears and legs everywhere. He was so crunched up, he, he didn't know what to do. And the coach knew the match was over. He's seen this uh, same song and dance. He had the T-shirt. He knew what was going to happen. No one ever broke out of the pretzel hold before, and he saw the state championship going right down the drain. He put his hand in his hands, uh, and, 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 and when he did that, he heard a blood-curling scream, a scream like he'd never heard before, a scream that came out of anguish. He looked up, and he saw his young country boy wrestler. He had, he had broken out of that pretzel hold. He was reversing the champion. He got him down on the mat. One, two, three. The young country wrestler won. Place exploded. Coaches were jumping up and down. The kids were having a great time. Finally, the coach got over to the boy and said, son, what happened? He said, coach, I, I tried to do what you told me to do, but he got me in that pretzel hold. He said, I know he got you in the pretzel hold, but what happened? He said, well, I didn't know which end was up. I didn't know which way was up, which way was down. He said, I, I looked right there in front of me, and I saw this big, fat, ugly toe. And so I clamped down on that toe. He said, I bit as hard as I could. He said, coach, it's amazing what you can do when you bite your own toe. <laughs> you know, I, I, think, I think a lot of us are like that kid. We're all wrapped up. We are turned upside down. We don't know which way to turn, what to do. And so we just try to motivate ourselves and 
when we motivate ourselves, oftentimes it's like biting our own toe. It doesn't work. We need more than human effort and self-effort and self-help. To walk in the spirit requires more than self-help. It requires spirit help. For us to walk in the spirit, no human effort is going to be able to do. That's why the, the, the Bible says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And we're told here in verse 18 what it means to be filled with the spirit. As we read the English, it, it doesn't really jump off the page, but if we go back to the Greek, we find some very interesting things about this, the construction of this sentence. First of all, we understand it's in the present tense. When we understand and we look at what it means to be filled with the Spirit, we understand it's in the present tense. That means it's right now. So literally, verse 18 needs to be translated, be filled now with the Spirit. Be filled today with the Spirit. It's in the present tense. Not only is it in the present tense, it's also in the personal tense. It means it's for you. It's in the second person for my English majors. It's, it means it, it, it's for you. So in, in the sense of you be filled now with the Spirit. Don't think that the spirit-filled life is only for the preachers or the deacons or the missionaries. No, the spirit-filled life is for every single follower of Jesus Christ. It's personal. It's also a precept. That means it's a command. You see this verb to be filled, it's in the imperative mood. That, that, that means it's not optional for the child of God. It's a command. Now, commands, you, you choose whether to receive the command, to obey the command, or to reject the command. And unfortunately, so many of us as Christians, we reject this command and we don't walk in the spirit. And the opposite of walking in the spirit is walking in the flesh. And so many of us as believers and followers of Christ, we go through our whole life walking in the flesh and not walking in the spirit. We completely miss this command. Also, it's persistent. It's a persistent action. It's, it's continual in nature. In fact, this verb can be translated, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep on being filled. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is not a once-in-a-lifetime experience, no. The Spirit-filled the, the spirit life happens step-by-step, day-by-day. It's a continual action. Keep on being filled is what this verse tells us. It literally tells us, keep on being filled. Keep on being filled. It's also passive in nature. That means we have to yield. In order for it to happen, we have to yield. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. There's no ritual. There's no formula. We must turn from every known sin, and we must open ourselves to God's word and yield to his spirit. So this verse, verse 18, Ephesians 5, 18, can better be translated from the original Greek into our English as such. You, each one of you. All of you keep on being filled with the Spirit of God every single day. So you say, now wait a minute, preacher. What does it mean to be, to be continually filled with the Spirit? Well, it means to be yielded to the Spirit. It means when, when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, I, I hear people all the time say, I need more of the Spirit. I need more of the Spirit. God, give me more of you. God, give me more of you. And that's a wrong prayer. That's a wrong statement. Because the reality is you cannot get any more of God. You cannot receive any more of the Spirit. When you were saved, when you prayed, invited Christ to come into your life, you repented of your sins. And that relationship with Jesus started at that moment. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us, that in him or in Christ, verse 13, Ephesians 1, in Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So what Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 is that when you receive Christ, you get all of the Spirit. 
God gives you all of the spirit. So to be filled with the spirit, to walk in the spirit does not mean that, that it's like a, a cup that you drink of water and it goes empty and then you have to be filled again, that you have to be resaved or, or something like that. No, to be filled with the spirit does not mean that you get more of the spirit. You cannot get any more of the spirit than what you've already got. To be filled with the spirit means that the spirit gets more of you. To be filled with the Spirit doesn't mean that you get more of God. It means that God gets more of you. You're saved. You're going to heaven. But my question to you today is, are you yielding your life to the Lord? Are you saying, God, here is my life. Take it and use it. God, here I am. Take it and use it. Or are you walking in sin? Are you walking in flesh? The, the exact opposite of walking in the spirit is to walk in the flesh. And so many Christians, we, we walk, naturally we walk in the flesh instead of walking in the spirit. But God has this perfect and this awesome plan of what it means to be filled with the spirit of God. Now let's jump ship and move another to another question that this verse answers. Not only does it answer what it means to be filled with the Spirit, but also tells us how to be filled with the Spirit. How to be filled with the Spirit. If, if, if God's Word is telling us that we have to be filled, then God's Word is going to tell us how we can be filled. As we said, to be filled with the Spirit of God means to be controlled by the Spirit. Think about this. If you are filled with anger, that means you're consumed with anger. And anger just overwhelms you. It means you're walking in anger. If you're full of joy, if, if joy is, is in your heart and you're consumed with joy, then you're filled, you're, you're filled with what consumes you. So if you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to be consumed and walk in the Spirit. If you're filled with anger, you're going to be consumed and walk in anger. And just as we said, so many believers are so full of their own flesh that they refuse to allow God to use them. The church of Jesus Christ today is full of believers but they're full of believers that are not full of the Spirit. We're full of believers, but we're not full of believers that are full of the Spirit. If we were full of the Spirit, our country would, be, would not be in the mess that it's in today. But we're walking in the flesh, and because we're walking in the flesh, we're, we're reaping our reward. And so this is really a wake-up call for the church of Jesus Christ to say, guys, it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to understand that God has something even better and greater for each one of us. Here in verse 18, he compares to walk in the Spirit, and he contrasts that. Notice what he contrasts it with. Verse 18, he contrasts it with being drunk with wine. He said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. When a person's filled with alcohol, that person is consumed and influenced by alcohol. The alcohol takes over and that person's personality changes. His words, his actions are different. Why? Well, we say a person is living under the influence of alcohol or driving under the influence of alcohol. Now, Sarah and I, we stand on a conviction. We believe that it's based upon God's Word that she, nor I, nor our family will consume alcohol. But you see, our reasoning goes even past the Word of God, and it's based on reality. Did you know that alcohol in your home, parents, listen up, alcohol in your home, if you drink alcohol in front of your children, your children are five times more likely to become alcoholics when they get older. Also, did you know that alcohol, 50% of all suicides that happen are a result, direct result of alcohol abuse. 
Did you know that alcohol is the third leading cause of death in the United States, second only to cancer and heart disease? Now, church, listen to me. I'm saying this out of love, and I'm saying this out of experience. In over 18 years of ministry, I've never seen alcohol reconcile a marriage, but I have seen it numerous times break up a marriage. I have never in my life seen alcohol give life, but I've seen alcohol take life. And all too often, take life way too early. Students, you think you're indestructible. You think you're Superman. But I'm here to tell you that alcohol can be your kryptonite. Nothing good can come from it. You say, well, pastor, all I'm I'm doing is I'm having a good time. Let me ask you, is that good time worth the consequences that will come from the effects of using this drug? And yes, it is a drug. You see, when you're in my profession, you get to see some awesome things. You get to see God do some amazing, wonderful, awesome things. To see somebody who is dead in their sins and transformed to the power of God is simply amazing. You, you, not enough money in the world can pay to see something like that happen. But also in this profession, there's a lot of heartache and pain. Some things that you see that keep you awake at night. I have stood, I have stood over the grave of way too many teenagers through the years who died too early because of alcohol abuse. With all that said, the scripture is very clear that drunkenness is a sin. I'm not going to stand here and try to define a word of drunkenness. Everyone has their own interpretation of what that means. To some, it means one drink. To others, it means that you, when you can't stand up anymore. I'm not here to define drunkenness for you or to parse words, but I have a very simple solution. Are you ready for my simple solution? If you never take your first drink, it's impossible for you to fall into the sin of drunkenness. Be careful what you bring into your home. Be careful what you put into your body. The Bible here is very clear that drunkenness is a sin. In our passage, Paul contrasts living in the abuse of alcohol. And he says, rather than living under the influence of alcohol, which is to be out of control, to be out of control, you as a believer in Jesus Christ need to live under the control of the influence of the Spirit. The reality is you're under control no matter where you are. Even if you're consumed with alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, you're, you're, you're under the control of that substance. The point in Ephesians 5.18 is not to be in the control of some substance, but be in the control of the Spirit of God. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, be under the influence of the Spirit, which is to be under the control of Christ. And so the Spirit-filled life means to be full of the Spirit of God and to serve Him, to honor Him throughout the days of your life, walking in the Spirit. You know, you can work your hardest, you can work your finger to the bone and, and try and try and try and try to live this kind of life that we're talking about doing and you're going to fail miserably in your own power. Apart from the power of the Spirit of God, you cannot walk in the Spirit. You cannot walk in the will of God in your own power, in your own might, making your own decisions. And when you try to do this, you get burnt out as a believer. You get frustrated, you get tired, because every time it seems like you, you, you make one hurdle, you look down and you see more hurdles down the road. And if you're, you're running this race in your own strength, in your own power, you're going to get tired. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get burnt out. 
This was the story of Moses. Moses, he was a burnout believer. He, he was exiled out of Egypt, running from the law, found himself in the backside of the desert. He was empty. He was wasted. He, 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 was, he was looking for life, trying to understand. He was burnt out. And then he was drawn to a bush that was burning with fire. Can you imagine? Here's a guy who, when he was looking at this bush that was on fire, but yet it wasn't being consumed, which means that it was on fire, but it wasn't burning. It was burning, but it wasn't burning. It was burning, but it wasn't going away. In fact, the fire just seemed to, to, to rage on and on and on. Don't you think Moses, this burnout believer, looked at this fire and he said, man, I, I wish I could have that power in me. I wish the power that is in that bush that burns and burns and burns with no effort of that bush at all, but I wish that that power would reside in me. And all of a sudden, that bush begins to talk. It talked to Moses. And Moses said, who are you? He said, I am Yahweh. I'm Jehovah. I am that I am. And when you go, I will go with you. In other words, if you will yield your life to me, Moses, this same power that is burning this bush and this bush is not consuming will come into your life and will burn in your heart and burn in your life. And it will burn and burn and burn and you will not be consuming any kind of energy on your own. The question is how? How, how can I have this kind of walk with the Spirit? You see, it's very personal. It's very powerful. It's very practical. A couple of things that I've observed in my own life. Number one, understand, this is not a formula. This isn't, this isn't a, something that I, I just check off. It, it has to become a lifestyle. First thing I understand, and I've seen the lives of others as I've, I've studied this, is number one, desire that the Spirit of God work within you. Desire it. Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 37, out of your innermost being will flow streams, torrents, floods of living water. And just as we desire water physically, we must desire the Holy Spirit who is called the water of life in the scripture. We're being told by the medical community that you need to be drinking water even when you're not thirsty. Have you heard this before? You need to always be consuming water. Why is that? Because the majority of our cells, they need water to function. And what's true physically is even more true spiritually. We need the water of the spirit to flood our heart, to flood our life, to come in because we are spiritual beings. Just like our physical beings are made up of water, our, our spiritual beings are made up of the spirit and we desire the water. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? Interesting that Jesus used water to convey the message of the Holy Spirit. And we need this. Drink deeply and desiring the, the deep work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Praying, oh Lord, my heart desires you as the deer pants for the water brook. My life, I want to get my hands off of my life. I want to take control off. I, I want to let the control go and, and let you take control of my life. Secondly, if you want to walk in the Spirit daily, then determine to walk with him every day, determined to seek the Lord daily. You know why we must seek him every single day? You know why the text in Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled daily, be continuing to, this isn't just a once in a lifetime thing, but, but daily be filled with the spirit. You know why we have to continue to be filled with the spirit? The reason why is because we leak. We leak. As we walk through life, we fall into sin, and every time we fall into sin, we leak. It's not that we lose the spirit, but we lose the spirit life. And when we lose the spirit life, that means that we're choosing the flesh life. And when you choose the flesh life, the spirit life is not going to live inside with the flesh life. 
And so when I'm walking in the flesh and I'm walking in sin, the spirit is going to say, okay, I'm, I'm taking a step back. You don't want me in control? That's fine. You take control. See how well that's going to work for you. And we, we get the controls and what do we do? We crash and burn every single time. We, we walk in the flesh. We step outside of the spirit. We leak. That's why daily we, we, we must come every day before the Lord to bow our life to him intentionally, asking him to, to fill our life. As I've questioned many great Christians that I know and admire about the this, this spirit life. I, I, I've talked to uh, many people and I've read many books on what it means to be filled with the spirit. Without exception, these great men and women, there's one thing that, that is apparent in all of their lives. You know what it is? Every single day they have a moment in their life where they yield their life to the Lord. They, they come to the Lord and they say, God, have me. In, in, in my daily quiet time, as I open the word and I, I read the word, I, I read my devotion, it's not something that I, I do as a Pharisee does, just to check it off the list, but, but they have a growing relationship with God. That's the mark that I see. My pastor, Jack Graham, the pastor out at Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Texas, he taught me years ago about in, in your personal quiet time to, to pace your day. And he uses that word pace, P-A-C-E, as an acrostic. I want to give this to you. If you want a day paced to be able to pace your day, to walk in the Spirit, follow this simple acrostic. P stands for praise Him. Praise God. In your time alone, when you're, when you're praying to Him, praise Him. Offer thanksgiving to God. Open up your day. Before you speak to your wife, before you speak to your husband, before you speak to your kids, make it a point in your life to speak with God. Praise him. A, that stands for affirmation. Affirming your life in Christ. You see, when you begin to try to walk in the spirit, Satan's going to do anything and everything he can to, to try to get in your life, to try to, to lie to you. He's a liar. He's a cheat. And he's going to tell you that you're worthless. He's going to tell you, why are you spending... Why are you spending all this time praying to someone who doesn't even exist? He's going to lie to you. So what you do in pacing your life is you go into God's word, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and you find those, you find those principles in God's word where God has made a promise to you. A promise like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. A promise that said, no weapon formed against you shall pro prosper. A, a, a promise that says that I will love you no matter what. You take these promises and you affirm who you are in Christ. You affirm who you are in Christ. C stands for control. You yield control of your life to Jesus. Simply say, Lord, I give you the right to walk around in my life, to take control. Lord, I give you control of my life. Do you know that what we offer, what we yield, he takes? What we offer to God is what he takes. And what he takes, he cleanses. And what he cleanses, he fills. And what he fills, he uses. What you give, the part of your life that you give to God is what he takes, not an inch more, not an inch less. So don't come around and say, well, God doesn't love me as much as he loves somebody else because I'm not walking in the spirit the way somebody else is. I, I, I don't have the relationship with God the way somebody else does. You know why you don't? God has simply taken what you've given him. God's not going to come in and, and take something from you unless you willingly lay it down. God has simply taken what you've offered. And what you offer, he takes. And what he takes, he redeems. What he redeems, he uses. 
So the point of the walking in the spirit is the more I lay down on myself, the more he takes and the more he uses for his glory. It starts with our family. It starts with our kids. It starts with our, our business. It starts with our money. It starts, it starts with everything. Everything I lay down before him, everything I lay down and say, God, okay, I'm yielding this area of my life. I'm yielding this area. I'm taking my hands off. He takes what we lay down. But everything we hold on to, he's, he's not going to take. Begin with praise, move to affirmation, yield control of your life. Finally, E is expectation. Have expectations, begin to pray and ask God to move in your life. Expect and ask God to do, to do great things in your life. If you began your day like this, wouldn't that be an awesome day? Don't you think that would set the pace for your life? Determined to do it. It doesn't simply just happen, but rather it's a result of action. It's a result of waking up and realizing that, that God has a better life for you. The third thing we see in this text about the Spirit-filled life is the results. What are the results of being filled with the Spirit? Understand this. The filling of the Spirit is not a feeling. The filling is not a feeling. There's a lot of denominations that teach to be filled with the Spirit, then you're going to feel different. Or there's going to be some type of, of, of uh, manifestation like speaking in tongues. That, that's not... Go back and look at Ephesians 5.18. It has nothing to do with a feeling. It has nothing to do with speaking in tongues. In fact, he gives us two evidences. If you're walking in the Spirit of God, he gives us two evidences right here that, that you're doing this. Verse 19 and 20. He says, notice what he says. He says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This doesn't mean that we walk around like an opera. We don't walk around and say, hello, brother Ron, how are you? If Corey were here, he would sign me up for the choir. I, I promise you he would. We don't walk around in our lives singing that way. Not only is that awkward, but, but it's just not how we work, right? So when he says here in verse 19, address each other with psalms and spiritual songs, he's not talking about coming up and, and making your life an opera and just singing out to everybody that you see. That's actually a pretty funny thing to do if you wanted to do it. But that's not what he's saying here. Instead, what he's saying here, he says it's going to be seen in your attitude. You're going to have thanksgiving. He goes from verse 19 into verse 20. To walk in the spirit of gratitude. No wonder the psalmist said, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. And how do we enter his courts? We enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. How do we enter to his house? With thanksgiving and praise. And so when we worship, what's mentioned here in verse 19, when we worship, we, we come out of the right attitude. We come out of the right heart. He's, he's saying it doesn't matter if we sing hymns or contemporary choruses, loud or soft, short or long. If it honors Jesus, if it exalts God, then, then we need to be in on that worship. We need to have the right attitude. And when singing, when we're singing and making melody in our hearts, this is upward. And, and so verse 19 is our upward attitude, our upward focus. But then he goes into verse 20 and he talks about the, inner, the inward attitude, the inward focus. The inward focus of our attitude. And he says here in verse 20, he says, giving things always and everything. So when our upward focus is right, when we're worshiping correctly and our attitude to God is right, and we begin to look inward, we look inside, and we see that our attitude inside uh, then needs to be right. When, when things begin to go out of control and circumstances enter our lives, we should be able to give thanks. The person who walks in the Spirit is not going to be 
is not going to be moved. It's not going to shatter their walk when something happens. And you've seen this in Christians' lives. When a person's told that I've been in, I've been in, in operating rooms, I've been in, in hospital rooms, when, when the doctor comes in and says, there is no hope, and the person sitting beside me says, oh, there's always hope with God. They say that you, you only got a short amount of time to live, and they say, oh, well, my, my time's in God's hands, not in yours, doctor, no offense. And that person goes on and lives a long and healthy life. You see, this person understands and realizes that, that even when bad circumstances happen on the inside, the spirit life changes the inside. It changes the attitude of the heart. And no matter what may come, no matter what Satan, what, no matter what the devil may throw at you, we know that God is in control of all things. It's the correct attitude. And walking in the spirit, verses 19 and 20, is going to demonstrate, it's going to show through our attitude. It's also going to show through our conduct, verse 21, through submission. Submitting to one another of the Lord. Submitting to one another. That's the second evidence. A spirit-filled believer does not demand the spotlight. In fact, he, he doesn't seek the spotlight. Rather, he seeks to serve others and to seek the welfare of others. This word submit here is actually a military term. It's used to describe uh, one equal coming under another equal. So example, in our terminology, it's like a four-star general coming underneath another four-star general. When we think of submission, we think of a four-star general coming under a five-star general, but that's not what the Word of God is talking about. The Word of God is talking about an equal coming under another equal. For example, when Jesus, in the book of Philippians, the Bible says that Jesus humbled himself. Jesus is co-equal, and Jesus is co-eternal with the Father, but yet in his humanity, he submitted himself to the Father in humility. He descended. He took the, the posture of a servant. He washed his disciples' feet. This attitude of submission, it, it goes into the next few verses about husbands or wives submitting to the husbands and husbands submitting to Christ. And, and you need to still come back next week, ladies and guys, even though we're talking about wives and husbands next week in submission. This idea of submission, it carries on into our, the lives of our family and our, into our kids. Every spirit-filled believer is submitted to the work and to the will of God. As I close here today, I, I know that today has pretty much been speaking to the Christian and the saved. And if, if you missed everything that I said, I, I don't want you to miss this. What God has for you is far greater than what you could ever imagine. If, if you're living a, a, a life in the spirit and in God's will. None of us live a perfect life, do we? we? We mess up, we fall, we fail. I choose my way, I take controls, and I, I want to take it back from God. I want to do things my way. I do that too. I fall and I fail and I falter. And, and I, I truly believe that when we get to heaven, God's going to say, look at what could have been. Look at what could have been if, if you would have walked your life the way you could have walked. I believe that's why the book of Revelation says that he wipes away every tear. Why are we crying when we go into heaven? I believe because we're coming out of the judgment seat of Christ. Christian, listen, there is a judgment coming for us as well. You understand that, right? We will have to give an account for everything we say and do here on this earth. I don't care if it's been washed under the blood or not. You still give an account. You still stand before that judgment seat of Christ and give an answer for why you did the things you did and why you didn't do the things he told you to do. And when we come out of that, I believe that's why we're going to be crying because God's going to say, look at what you could have done. Look at what, look at what could have happened if you would have submitted your will 
I believe that we are living in the last days. I believe that as God is about to look at Michael, the archangel, and say, get the trumpet ready. He's looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, get ready. As soon as we finish the book of Ephesians, we're going to spend a few weeks on looking at the end times and the rapture and all of that. I believe that this is the generation that's going to see this happen. The generation that saw Israel become a nation is the generation that's going to see Jesus return. That's what the scripture teaches and tells us. When the olive tree begins to bear fruit again, when Israel becomes a nation, so this generation, my parents' generation, this generation is not going to pass. We're going to see Jesus come again. And this world desperately needs, this world desperately needs spirit-filled believers. This world doesn't need just uh, 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 believers that are walking in the flesh. We have enough of them. Can you imagine what would happen? Can you imagine what would happen in this city if this church, only this church, if, if we as a Loma church decided to say, you know what, I'm going to stop walking in the flesh and begin to walk in the spirit. Do you know what would happen to this city if this church began to walk in the spirit the way we're supposed to be walking in the spirit? We would turn this city upside down. This country would be turned upside down. Revival would come out from this place. And oh, trust me, we need revival, don't we? When a country is more concerned about some stupid lion that was killed over in an African country and could care less about the dismemberment of little babies in the womb of their mother, this world and this country is loco. We're crazy. We've lost our way. What we need, the answer that we have, I shared it with you last week, and, and, and what, what we're going to, what we're going toward as a church is very important. Because I believe that, that we, this body, that, that, that God is going to use this church as he has been using this church, but he's going to use us even greater. When we begin to get these things right, he's going to use you students in a powerful way. In just a few weeks when you go back to school, he's going to use you. But you cannot continue walking in your flesh. You cannot keep walking. You cannot keep walking the same way you've been walking, expect different results. That's the, that's the definition of insanity. We, we know that if we're going to experience different results, then we have to do something different today. We've got to change today. And he's given us the guidebook right here on what to do. That's why in October and November as a church, we're going to be walking through a 50 days of prayer and fasting together. That's why as a church, we're going to, we understand that the problems that we're facing are spiritual problems. And if we're facing spiritual problems, the only solution, the only answer is to answer it with a spiritual answer. And so we're going to combat this and Satan is not going to like this. You understand Satan hates this church, right? You understand that Satan attacks me all the time and he attacks you. He attacks this church all the time, but that's okay. Because you see, as we serve the Lord, as we walk in his spirit, as we, as we tell the flesh no and we live in the spirit, listen, listen, God will bless. It may not be blessed in the, in the, in the eyes the way the world understands blessing, but God will bless.